me down, down, down. No, I think I'm losing my mind. Yeah, let's go. Let's bring in the brinket. Let's bring in the brinket. Let's bring in the brinket. Come on, man. Come on, man. NHL drafts tonight. Come on, man. Come on. Giddy up now, Steve. We're in Nashville. Yee-haw. Honky Tonk and Alex the Brinket. Come on now. Fuck me. I want something to happen. God. It, dude, being a being a GM is very impressive how well these guys can control their emotions. Like if I was Steve Eiserman, I, I would have given Ottawa almost whatever they wanted by this point. Yeah, no Larkin, no Raymond, no Cider. Anything outside of that, I would have waved the white flag. Just fucking take him already. Give me the player here, Ottawa. Take him, dude. Just let me get to Brinkett already. I Such a little patience. It's going to be wild to see in like 30 years when people who are in charge of pro sports teams, like these general managers, are kids from my generation who grew up in the instant gratification era. Like fucking earmuffs here for any any minors. Porn is just on your phone. You Dopamine, Twitter, Instagram, dopamine, dopamine, online shop, whatever you want. Bang. It's yours just like that. It's fucking nuts. There's video game. You don't feel go, very good about yourself? Go 78 and 12 on Nuketown. You'll feel a lot better after that. Like everything in the world is just at your fingertips. Whatever you want, it's right there. You don't need to work out if you don't want to. Watch a movie. Watch TikTok. Like everything happens like that. There is no, you're going to put in the effort for five years, and then in five years, maybe something will happen to reward you for those efforts. It's going to be wild to see what pro sports look like when this instant gratification, like social media kids, become the people in charge of these things. I couldn't fucking do it, dude. If I was in Steve Eiserman's position right now, Alex DeBrinkett would have been a Detroit Red Wing probably a week ago, and I don't have a – probably two weeks ago, three weeks. Who fucking knows? Might have even been last year, and I don't have a clue what we would have given up. Like, I, I maybe would have traded the logo to get DeBrinkett to Detroit. You know, Like, I maybe would have given them the rights to play in LCA if they wanted to, to get DeBrinkett. I would have maybe, in Chris Illich's sleep, like – taken his dead hand and signed something off that said free little Caesars for life for anybody associated with the Ottawa senators, including the fans. If that means we can get Alex to bring it, I would have done some shit that would have set the franchise back years. If I was in Steve Eiserman's position, cause I'm an impatient guy and I've been impatient now in my defense, it's not like the Red Wings have been bad for a year and now I'm hungry to get back in my defense. The Red Wings have been dog shit for seven years, eight years, um, the spring of 2016 is the last time they were in the playoffs. That was my freshman year of college. I was nine, 18 years old. That playoff run, I'm nine or I'm 26 today. That's not ideal. That's not great. They got they got fucking murked. I think they lost 4-1 to Tampa in that series as well. Like Gus Nyquist was our go-to guy in that series. It's been a while since the Detroit Red Wings have meant anything more than failure in the National Hockey League and in the city of Detroit. You've got the Pistons, failure. You've got the Tigers, redefining failure. Um, you've got the Lions, who for the last 80 years or whatever, failure. Last year, this year, hopefully not so much. Hopefully success, happiness, victory. Those words kind of work their way into the dialect when it comes to the Detroit Lions. But the Red Wings, the last eight, failure. Everything, all these teams, failure. Now, Michigan State basketball has been there for me. 
Michigan State football has been there here and there for me. My freshman year, they were there. We've had a couple of years since that they've been there. They've been able to lift me up. They've been, you know, leading Sports Center. If you're a Michigan football fan, the last few years, you guys have been there. And even before that, when Harbaugh was losing to MSU and always lost to Ohio State, still losing bowl games, you guys were still winning eight, nine, ten games. Like they were still something. They were something to get excited for going into each fall. They were something to watch on Saturdays. You knew they were never going to put out a perennial loser outside of that COVID year when they were an absolute fucking joke. But the Detroit teams, the professional teams in the city, um, in the state, yeah, it isn't good. Yeah, it's not good. And when it comes to the Red Wings, and I don't know why this is. I don't know if it's a little bit of growing up for – they had the streak, made the playoffs 25 years. My entire life – I'm sure I said this on here before. My mom, I remember, would drive me to school. I remember I would turn on the radio to 97-1, and I would hear the Red Wings score from last night, and I swear to God, dude, they won every time. It'd be 6.30 in the morning. I'm pissed off. I got to go to fucking school, dude. Fuck that. I'm driving in the car. I'm sitting there. Red Wings beat the Anaheim Ducks last night 3-1. Red Wings beat the Edmonton Oilers last night 4-2. Red Wings beat the Chicago Blackhawks 2-0. Every single morning, Red Wings win, Red Wings win, Red Wings win. You tune into the games. It's the 528th straight sellout at the Joe. The crowd's loud. They win the fucking games. You go down to the Joe. It's special. You get the feeling in the air. I don't know if it's because the Red Wings were so great. Like, I, yeah, the Tigers had sick teams. 2010 to 2015, the Tigers were really good. Yes, they were winning a lot of games. Yes, they had unreal rosters put together. Absolutely. But before that, they were nothing, right? All the way before that, before until like the 80s. 90s, 2000s, their Tigers didn't do shit. They had the couple-year run. They were good. Then they fell back off. The Pistons, yeah, they were great in the early 2000s. I was like six years old, seven years old. I barely remember that shit. And then they fell off, and they've fallen off, and they stayed off since then. Yeah, and then the Lions are the Lions. I don't know if it's because the Red Wings were that one team where it was like they they were they were going to be good. They were going to be good. I don't care what's happened. I don't care if it's 80 and sunny in the middle of January in the state of Michigan. The Red Wings are still going to be good. The world could be flipped upside fucking down, and that hockey team was still going to make the playoffs, sell out home games, win playoff series, and contend for a Stanley Cup. It just is what it is. That's That's what I grew up with. I don't know if it's because they were such an institution in the hockey world, such an institution in the Detroit sports world, as far as, like I said, the one team you could set your watch to. We had electric players, Lidstrom, Datsuk, Zetterberg, going before that. There's Brett Hall, Chelios, Fedorov, Eisenman, all these guys, fucking tens and tens of future Hall of Famers. I don't know if that's what it is, but when it comes to the Red Wings, I'm more, I'm more ready to just, Let's let's do it again. Let's do it again. And it's funny because of the four major sports in the country, hockey is by far the least popular. Now, granted, the Red Wings are a little bit of an exception, I would say, when it comes to the United States. Um, hockey's huge in Canada. We all know that. But I would say, you know, like the Red Wings are pretty fucking big time. Yeah, they're not. It is still hockey, right? And it's less popular than baseball and basketball and obviously football. But they're the Red Wings. It's a little bit different than the Florida Panthers, right? There's a couple teams like that. The Wings, the Rangers got a little bit of it. The Bruins, the Blackhawks, all the original six teams, really. Like, it's a little bit different. Yeah, it is hockey, but it's a little bit different for those franchises. I am just so ready for them to be good again. 
I am so ready to be done talking about draft picks, to be rebuilding, to be talking about this 19-year-old that we hope becomes something, to be done talking about how Steve Eiserman's being patient, to be done hearing about how much cap room we have, to be done hearing about, well, the Atlantic's going to be a gauntlet, so maybe they should hold off on going for their window. I'm just, I'm ready to be done with all of it. And it's weird because, you know, the Pistons have been shit for like 15 years. Don't give a fuck, to be honest with you. It'd be cool if the Pistons were good. I would prefer it if the Pistons were good. I would definitely watch games and, like, be more of a fan if the Pistons were halfway decent, for sure. That's all true. That's all for sure true. But I feel less urgency. I feel less in my soul. I'm not like, fuck, I need the Pistons to figure it out. I feel le- the Pistons, I'm like, they're... They're a lost cause. They're like your kid who's a drug addict. He's relapsed on heroin 12 times by now. He resorted to stealing your mother's jewelry. Like he's a lot. It is what it is, dude. He's he's gone. The heroin took him. That's how I feel about the Pistons. Like they're just gone and everyone's excited. Cade and Jaden Ivey and Duran. And they got the new the new GM who's not so new. Troy Weaver and Osar Thompson's going to help us out. And they've got cap space. Great. Great. It's the cracked out son. It's the 12-time relapser. Until I see it, until they go a year without turning up fucking baked in their car in a Walmart parking lot, I'm not going to believe it when it comes to the Detroit Pistons. And I've lost any sense of urgency that I may have had. Don't know if I ever did, but if I did, that sense of urgency or sense of like, fuck, I really want this to happen, long gone. They're a whisper in the wind. Same for the Tigers. Same for the Tigers. I wish the Tigers were good. I I wish the Tigers were decent. People, the Twins, the White Sox, Cleveland, everyone is begging each other to win the AL Central this year. And the Tigers are just so goddamn pathetic, much like everybody else in the division. They're not going to get it done. I wish the Tigers were okay. They could add an AL Central title to their list if they were. If they were an okay 500 baseball team, that would be very achievable this year. They're dog water. The guys they took, Torkelson, stinks. Riley Green, he's injured even though he is good. Mize doesn't play. Scooble doesn't play. Manning doesn't play. All these guys that are supposed to be the future. Matt Boyd just went out for the year on Tommy John. All these guys that are supposed to be something don't do shit. They are slowly turning into what the Pistons are, that relapsing heroin-addicted son that you just can't spend the time or money or energy on anymore because you know what? If they don't want to help themselves, you can't do anything for them. That's how I feel about the Tigers. And again, maybe it's because baseball plays 162. It's tough to get super fired up about. Maybe it's because they've been absolutely fucking atrocious for the same time span as the Red Wings, I'd say the last eight years or so. Maybe it's because they're not the same institution, although I do think the Tigers are a pretty legendary club. Like they're not the Cubs. They're not the Yankees. They're not the Dodgers. They're not the Red Sox. I would say the Detroit Tigers, as far as like historical, if you're going to rank like whose blood is the bluest, I'd say the Tigers are probably in the top 10 of baseball franchises. The Cardinals are up there, but the Tigers, I think, have some history. The Tigers are up there. We're one of the oldest franchises. Tiger Stadium was opened on the same day Fenway was before those fucking morons in Detroit took it down. The Tigers have that. They do have a little bit, but they didn't, they don't have the success. They don't have the same track record 
as the Detroit Red Wings. So it isn't the same. Yeah, they made the World Series in 2006, but they weren't making the playoffs every single year. They weren't one of the best teams in the in the league every single year. They didn't win multiple championships. As a matter of fact, they haven't won a single one since I've been alive. So it is a little different. I'm ready for the Red Wings to start to try at least. And we've had this conversation before, right? Um, whether I think it was either last week's episode or the prior where we sat down, we talked about to it. We talked about Steve making a move and we talked about, dude, if the wind was, isn't going to blow the window open, go up to the attic, get the fucking crowbar and pry that shit open. Like you're the wet bandits. It's time to compete when it comes to the Detroit Red Wings. That's kind of how I feel. Get the fucking crowbar, Steve. If they don't want to open the window for you, Ottawa, Pierre Dorian, or whatever that GM's name is, if he doesn't want to come and lend you a hand and lift that window, go out to the car, get the crowbar, get your hammer so you can jam it in there and lift that thing open on your own. Get the thing open already. I'm tired of there being no breeze in this house. I'm tired of it smelling like crusty mac and cheese because there's non-existent airflow in this place. I'm tired of it. Let's open up the window. It doesn't need to be the whole way. Doesn't need to be the whole way, but a little bit of a crack would be nice. Just starting the process would be nice. At least going and getting the crowbar would be a good place to begin. Do something with the Red Wings. It feels like we're at that time. You look at the core that we have. You look at the captain, Dylan Larkin. You look at some of these younger guys that Steve Eiserman has already taken. Yes, I've acknowledged it before. They are still young. Yes, you probably could in an ideal world wait another year or two for them to get a little bit better, wiser, older, stronger, all that shit. Yeah, probably. But at the same time, it's been eight years. But at the same time, you don't get the opportunity to go get multiple time 40 goal scorers every day. At the same time, no matter how great it is, trading away Philip Ronick, trading away Tyler Bertuzzi and whoever else at deadlines for picks, you're still sitting there on draft night with your fingers crossed, hoping they become somebody that can fill a role on the third line, let alone score in 40 games a night. At some point, you have to go out and get real things that you know exist as opposed to kind of reaching in the dark with your eyes closed, hoping you grab something of value. At some point, you know Alex Dabrinkit can play. You know Alex Dabrinkit can score goals. Yeah, he did it with Pat Kane. I'll give you that. I understand the hesitancy. Yeah, he's a smaller guy. Yeah, the Red Wings over the last couple of years have had their issues with getting pushed around to begin with. And Tyler Bertuzzi being gone isn't Tyler Bertuzzi. Tyler Bertuzzi being gone isn't going to help with that. I hear you. It's tough to find guys who can put the puck in the net. The Red Wings know that better than anybody. Philip Zadina was supposed to be that. <clears throat> Lucas Raymond is supposed to be that. So far, eh, he was good his rookie year. Took a step back last year. Eh, hasn't been great. Dylan Larkin, I don't know if he's necessarily supposed to be a guy who fills the net up. He can score goals, but he doesn't score them like Alex Dabrinkit did or could or maybe will moving forward. I get it. He played with Patrick Kane, one of the best players of his generation. I understand. Um, I get it. He's smaller. He's not going to help the fact that we get pushed around and we got a young team and a lot of these guys need to grow and put on weight and all that shit as it is. I understand. You need to score goals to win hockey games. You just do. It's part like you do. And since 
before the last time the Red Wings were in the playoffs, before 2016, before that, back to when Datsuk and Zetterberg were still playing, we've struggled to find guys who can put the puck in the net. Lord knows we've struggled since then during this rebuild. You don't get opportunities to go get bona fide goal scorers every day. The kid is from Farmington Hills, Michigan. You don't think he'd work a little bit harder, be a little bit more excited, want it that much more playing for his hometown Detroit Red Wings as opposed to the Ottawa Senators. No disrespect to Ottawa. I've been there, had a great time there. I'm sure playing hockey in a Canadian market is unreal, something that no matter how big the Red Wings are, can't be explained, right? It's just always going to be different than playing for the Red Wings or whoever, the Bruins, Blackhawks, doesn't matter. He's a hometown kid, might be willing to bend a little bit in the contract negotiations for that reason. He's a guy who can put the puck in the net. He's 25 years old, I believe, 26 at oldest. He's still young. He's still in his prime. Dylan Larkin, maybe he's not Patrick Kane. Fine, he isn't Patrick Kane. He can still play make. He can still move the puck. He's, I think, in my opinion, his best trait or his best ability is playmaking, finding open guys, leading an offense, setting up an offense. The thing he's been missing his entire career until really Lucas Raymond came along in the last two is a guy who puts the puck in the net. And since Lucas Raymond's come along, again, like we mentioned, it's not like Lucas Raymond has been lighting it up like fucking crazy. He hasn't been Tim Stutzla. Larkin's numbers have gotten a little bit better. I don't know. I just think, like, dude, these guys don't grow on trees. These guys don't grow on trees. And as much as I hate to say this, I understand Detroit's a massive hockey market. I understand the Red Wings are different when it comes to, like, who do free agents want to go play for? Like, people I don't think are jumping out of their out of their chairs to go play for Florida or play for L.A. in hockey. Ba- basketball, yeah, they are. Football, yeah, they probably are. Baseball, they absolutely are. I don't know if it's the same for hockey. I think the Red Wings, unlike all the other sports, are a team where it's like, oh, shit, you got to change. It's like the Maple Leafs, the Canadians, and then the Red Wings might be that third team where it's like, oh, shit, you got a chance to go play for those guys? You better fucking – you better think about that. Wayne Gretzky was going to be a Red Wing but didn't want to be overshadowed by Gordie Howe. Like, you hear all of these stories. Back when the Wings were in their prime, they were going and getting big big fish free agents to come play in Detroit. I don't know. I just feel like it's time. I feel like it's time for this core and these young guys to start to be moved away from an attitude or like an acceptance of just being shit. That's I mean, that's what it's become in Detroit. That's what the Red Wings have become. Like, yeah, we're going to be excited to start the year. Yeah, we're going to talk about how this year we're going to try and win games. Yeah, we're going to be excited. We're not going to take shit off anybody. Yeah. And then the season ends, and by the end, you're just accepting being bad. You just accept losing. You accept you're not going to make the playoffs. You accept you're going to get beat up on by the big clubs. That's what happens. I think that that becomes toxic. Like, culture is a big thing everybody talks about in every sport. At some point, that shit, you need to move away from it. At some point, you've got to be like, look, we're trying. The guys who make the decisions, the dude who gives away the money and trades the players and assembles the roster, he's trying to do his best to put out a winning product. Now it's on the players. I don't think Steve Iserman has done his best. Or at least, you know, let me rephrase that. I don't think Steve Iserman has made an effort to put on the best winning product 
for the Detroit Red Wings. I don't think he's GM the season yet where the goal is let's win as many hockey games as possible. I think he's wanted to collect assets. I think he's wanted to trade expiring contracts. I think he's wanted to buy low on younger guys who th- he thinks have has value, Nadelkovich, Yakabrana being examples. I think he's been thinking about the future, getting draft picks, younger guys. I think that's his been his mindset since the day he took the job in Detroit. I don't think he's gone into one season – with a team on the ice where he's like, the sole mission of this season is to win as many games as possible, to make the playoffs, and to win playoff series. I don't think that's happened yet. And I don't think he's wrong for doing so. Um, we've needed to rebuild. We've needed to acquire assets. We've needed draft picks. We needed to get some young guys. Yeah, all of that, yes. But now we're at the point where that needs to become the goal, right? Like, it's great. You have infinity draft picks. At some point, you're hoping those guys become. Alex to bring it. It's great. You've got all this cap space. At some point, the value of cap space is fucking spending it, right? It's great. It's great. You're 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 getting all these young guys back in these trades. It's great. Philip Ronick for a second or whatever the deal. That's great. At some point, draft picks don't win Stanley Cups. 19-year-olds in Grand Rapids don't win you Stanley Cups. At some point, the team that plays in Detroit is what wins you Stanley Cups. You need to invest into that, whether it's your picks, whether it's flipping picks for 25-year-olds who can play now, whether it's flipping a young guy for a 25-year-old who you know can play now, whether it's investing some of that $50 million for a guy for eight years at $8.5 million. At some point, all of these assets that you've accumulated, it's great that you have, and it's been the right decision to this point. At some point, you need to cash them in. Guys like Alex Tabrinkit don't come available every day, and there's other names out there, Travis Konechny, et cetera. We've heard about Elias Pettersson a thousand fucking years in a row, the Clayton Keller kid in Arizona. Yeah, there's other names. At some point, you need to go out and make a splash. I think Steve Eiserman knows that. Um, there's a reason everybody touts him as the best GM in hockey and maybe sports. I think he knows that. And now it sucks that there's pressure or not pressure, but attention. Like everybody believes the Brinkett will end up as a Red Wing. So now Ottawa can kind of leverage that. Yeah, that sucks. Give me Steve Eiserman's IQ over Pierre Dorian's. I think, I think his first name's Pierre, Michelle. His first, or his last name's Dorian. Is it Michelle Dorian or Pierre Dorian? I don't know. But give me Steve Eiserman over that dude, right? I'll trust Steve to make the right decision over that guy. But at some point, whether it's the draft, whether it's after the draft, whether it's next deadline, you need to go out and get bona fide players. It needs to be done. You need to address needs. We can't score goals. Get the guy who scored 40 twice. Some point needs to be done. I hope they do it today. The Red Wings got the ninth pick and the 17th pick. Who knows? Maybe they flip one or both of those for Debrinkit and some stuff. Maybe they flip them for connecting. Maybe they do some crazy shit nobody sees coming. I don't know. We'll see. But the moral of the story is you've got the ninth pick. You've got the 17th pick. If this was the NFL draft, I'd say, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. We're going to add two high-quality players that are going to be day one starters. Oh, yeah. It's not the NFL. It's the NHL. Um, You're hoping that that ninth overall pick becomes a guy who's like, like a great, a great situation would be he becomes a second liner. Like that's what you're hoping for. Right? That's kind of it's it's good. You got the ninth pick. It's great. You got the seventeenth pick. Great. You got draft capital. You're gonna cross your fucking fingers and count sheep at night, praying that that guy scores thirty goals. When maybe you could trade him for a forty goal scorer. 
I don't know. At some point, you need to do something if you're Steve. I think the window's starting to open. I think this will be, this should be the first season for the Red Wings where they go, it's fucking go time. We're going to win as many hockey games as possible. Alex Debrink, it feels like a move that is logical, reasonable. You're not going to have to overextend. You've got the leverage. He doesn't want to stay in Ottawa. They're not going to re-sign him. He wants to go to Detroit. Feels like it's there. Feels like it's an obvious decision. Feels like the option's there. We'll see what happens. All right, quick break. Um, The Pistons took Osar Thompson. I know last week's episode was draft day or day before the draft, so we didn't know who we took at that point. I mean, I don't have a ton to say about him. I don't know shit about the guy. He's athletic, and he can't shoot. So we'll see if he's all right. I don't know. Hopefully he plays defense. Um, Again, we just talked about the Pistons being addicted to heroin. They got Osar Thompson with the fifth overall pick. I, you know, it's I can't come on here and say it's going to be different in Detroit. 35 win season, 40 win season. Here we come. Look out. The Pistons are back. Dude, bring back the fucking glory days where the final countdown's the walkout song. This team's going to win ball games. He's the fifth pick. He can't shoot. I hope he's great. I hope he's Gary Payton 2.0. I hope he's Kawhi Leonard on steroids. I hope he's just the abominable snowman on the defensive end of the floor and on the offensive floor. I hope he's a nightmare in transition. I hope he can get to the rim. I hope he's a great cutter. I hope he develops a shot. I hope all of that for him. He's the fifth pick. Apparently, he can't shoot. Um, The Pistons are an absolute fucking joke as it stands regardless of what Osar Thompson becomes. So it's tough to get super excited. But they added a young guy with a high draft pick. So I guess that's good. The Lions, not much going on. Dog days for football. And then the Tigers stink. AL Central stinks. Torkelson stinks. Everybody on the fucking team stinks. Don't care about them. Don't want to talk about them. I don't know. Said it a million times. Don't know how you could want to talk about them. I don't know how people do talk about them. I don't listen to 97.1 or Detroit sports radio ever. If fucking, if Mike Valeni and those guys like spend an hour every day talking about the Detroit Tigers, I don't even know what you talk about at this point. Like the conversation around the Tigers is Alavila was horrible. They cannot develop anybody, anybody, whether it's already seasoned pros or guys they took with the first overall pick who were breaking Barry Bonds' records in college. They can't develop Anybody, um, the owner is a coward who refuses to spend money on anything other than fucking parking lots. And they're a joke. That's the conversation around the Detroit Tigers. There's nothing. What else? What else is there to say with these guys? There's nothing else to say. Oh, Colt Keith. He's been tearing it up in double A. They just called him up to triple A. I'll bet my fucking life savings that that Colt Keith kid hits 124 when he inevitably gets called up to the Tigers. And I hate to say it, I hope he's the best. Hope he's a Hall of Famer. Hope he has an unbelievable MLB career. And if he does, it'll probably be because the Detroit Tigers traded him for a bag of fucking peanuts and a couple working televisions for the concourse. They're a joke. Nothing for me to say about him. I don't know how anybody spends any time on him. Last but not least, I want to talk a little bit of Michigan State football. Okay? That's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk a little bit of Michigan State football. Mel is starting. Mel is starting. Not has it going. Mel is starting to get it going. There is a long fucking way to go. 
with this MSU draft class. There is a lot of talent that needs to be added. There are just warm bodies that need to be added. I think we got nine guys. Michigan's got like 23 or 24. Fucking, there are a lot of guys that need to be added. There's a lot of talent that needs to be added. There are four stars that need to be added. There are five stars that would be great if they could be added. We got a long way to go. I'd like to talk about it. I'd like to give Mel, I guess, a few flowers because there are people who are saying they'll play football for Michigan State. That's good. That's an improvement on the entire first six months of the year where people were only saying that, you know what, actually they don't want to play at Michigan State. I want to address, like, I don't want to be negative. I don't want to come off negative. We're just talking. It's June. There's not shit going on. All the MSU fans, we got a couple of offensive linemen the other day, three stars. One kid's like in the 800s overall. One kid's in the thousands. MSU fans acting like like we got Michigan's offensive line coming in. I don't really, a little strange to me, if we're being totally honest. Um, We did get a four-star running back from Tampa Bay, the only four-star in the class. That's a great, that is a great pickup. Going and getting it, he's got offers from everybody in the country. He's going to come to Michigan State. That's a great pickup. I I want to. I need to pump the brakes, though. MSU, I need to pump the brakes. We're celebrating adding three stars, and I don't want to diminish any of these kids committing. I don't want to. Oh, this guy's nobody. We're celebrating three stars, though, like we're winning fucking national championships. I got to pump the brakes just a little bit. Quick break. All right. We we don't want to be negative. Don't want to depress anybody. Don't want to take away from what we've done. Um, but we need to, like as state fans, as a group here, we need to recalibrate just a hair. Okay? Look, it's great. I think, I think Mel Tucker, we started the month of June. There were three guys committed to play football at MSU. Jalen Thompson, Andrew Dennis, uh, and then Logan Bennett. Those were the three. Since then, we got nine guys. That's good. Six commits. We're up to nine. We're starting to build something. There's a little bit of a foundation. One of those guys being Anthony Carey, four-star running back from Tampa, Florida. Guy had like 40 offers. Alabama, Ohio State, I think Michigan offered him. Georgia, fucking everybody wanted this guy to run footballs for their football program. Great. Okay, that's a great pickup. That is an outstanding pickup. That's a pickup where you go, we got Mel Tucker for that. Reggie Powers. Safety from Ohio, 504th best player in the country overall. It was between Michigan State and Ohio State, supposedly. Makes me question. Now, this is where people, this is where MSU fans are going to turn their back on me. You say anything that isn't insanely pro MSU and folks just instantly want to turn their backs. Let's use our brains here. Let's be realistic. Let's be honest with each other. Say it's between Ohio State and Michigan State. That's what they said for Reggie Powers. Chose Michigan State. Makes me wonder how badly Ohio State wanted him. Being honest, you have to be honest with yourself. Makes me wonder how bad he's the 504th, which is a good football player. If you can get the 500th player in the country, you take him every time. If you're Ohio State, excuse me, if you're Alabama, Georgia, it doesn't you get the 500th guy in the country. You bring him in every time. That's a good football player. That's a guy who's going to have a chance to be a very good college football player. Bring him in, always. At the same time, it's between Ohio State and Michigan State. I got a tough time believing Ohio State had the full court press on exactly, right? Like, 
I'm sure, you know, he visited Ohio State. He had the offer. I'm sure he's on the phone with Ohio State's coaches. They're talking about how they like his game. Sure, right? Um, You know, it's tough. It's tough for me to sit here and go, damn, Ohio State wanted him bad. And MSU swooped him and, and, and took him. But that's a good pickup regardless. All right, since then, here's the thing. We're all acting, not we're all, but a lot of MSU fans, you go on Twitter, people are acting like we won the fucking national championship or we're bringing in four-star top 250 players, left, right, and center, or we're bringing in five-star David Stones every day. People are celebrating like, like we're fucking doing something crazy with these latest pickups. And I don't want it. This might come off bad. I don't mean it to. I'm just saying like MSU fans, the way we look on the outside, we need to temper it off a little bit because even the way we look to a guy like me, who's the biggest state fan you'll fucking find. It's not great. We get Sire Torrance, 658th overall Syracuse commit. You know what? No, he's going to come play for Michigan state. Now he's from Syracuse. That's a good win. He's a three-star. He's 658th. We were going up against fucking Syracuse. It's not a basketball player. It's a football player. That's great. He's a guy we can add to the secondary. He's a guy that's going to come play for Michigan State. He's a guy who could have played other places, but let's not act like we went into Alabama's backyard and took a four-star from him, right? It's a good pickup, but let's relax. The Lanuski brothers, the most recent, the twins, the offensive linemen, one of them's ranked 847th overall. The other one, ranking's not even available. Both three stars. Um, same deal. We've got folks acting like we just added two future NFL all pros. We, we got guys acting like we've got Michigan's offensive line class coming in. Like people are celebrating like, like we've never seen this level of recruiting before at Michigan State. I hate to say it. These, these are these are D'Antonio level guys from Cincinnati, Ohio. One's unranked, the other one's 847th. They're both three stars. Those are D'Antonio recruits. Plain that's what they are. Plain and simple. That's the truth. These are D'Antonio guys. And MSU fans, they took to Twitter. I think it was Monday. They took to Twitter like, like we just got fucking Thor to agree to play left tackle for us. Like, we just got guys who are going to demolish Ohio State and Michigan for us. Like, these are guys who, based on their ratings, now we've seen the Jack Conklins, we've seen Trey Waynes, Darquez Denard, Le'Veon Bell, these two-star, unrated, whatever you want to say, guys, come in and, and have unreal careers at State and go on to the pros and this, that, the other. And look, these kids got offers in Minnesota, Wisconsin, some solid programs, right? There is no Ohio State in here. There is no Michigan in here. There is no Notre Dame. There is no, like, these are D'Antonio type guys. Like, if these guys, you're relying on these dudes to go in and dominate the line of scrimmage based on rating. Now, maybe the next two, three years, they become fucking freaks. They're NFL prospects. We'll see what happens. But based on the ratings, based on today, we all know ratings are important. It's been proven at this point. You need to have big-time recruits, according to these websites, if you want to compete for championships. All the teams that win championships, all the teams that are in the college football playoff, they get big-time recruits on a consistent fucking basis. Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, Florida State, 
all these fucking programs, the schools that are all going to be nasty this year, they recruit at high levels always. It is what it is. It is what it is. These guys aren't, they don't fit that mold. These guys aren't like, they're not going to go and hand it to U of M. They're not going to go in and hand it to Ohio State. If you make a college football playoff, they're not going to hand it to Georgia. And I hear the counter argument. Let Mel Tucker, Mel Tucker knows what an SEC football team looks like. Mel Tucker said he's going to build things the way they look at Georgia and at Alabama and at Ohio State, build things the way they need to be built to not only beat those programs, but obviously win in the Big Ten. Yeah, Mel Tucker, he has an eye. Okay, fine. And this one kid is 6'7", 300 pounds. Um, that, that's a freakishly large person. That's a freakishly large person. I like that pickup. Yeah, he's only 847, 67, 300. That's a fucking freak human being. Bring him in. Let the offensive line coach Kapilovich get his hands on them, and uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully they turn into something good. If not, great. Hopefully. My thing is, though, like we're celebrating. If you aren't, if you weren't a Michigan State fan, and you saw the way Spartan Twitter kind of went up Monday after these two committed, you'd be like, oh, shit. Did they get a pair of twin four-star, like, top 250 guys in the country? Oh, shit. They must have gotten some big time. These kids must be fucking big time. Their other offers were Minnesota and Wisconsin. What? We're, we need to pull back in the reins a little bit. We need to pull back in the reins. I don't know if we've become jaded or like oversensitive now because it's been so long since Tuck has brought guys in that anybody who commits were like, fuck yeah, go green, juice squad, Tuck's back, and here comes MSU. I don't know if it's because it's been a little bit of a drought. I don't know what it is, really. Um, but like we're freaking out over a guy who is someone Mark D'Antonio would bring in. Mark D'Antonio, we've all acknowledged his downfall was his ability to recruit. Mark D'Antonio, the reason we weren't sustained beyond 2015 is because he didn't recruit. Um, the whole thing behind Mel Tucker and the excitement and big reason for that big contract he got was, oh, he fucking recruits. He gets guys from Florida. He gets guys from Texas, California. He gets guys that the SEC schools want. He'll go get four stars and bring them into Michigan State. He recruits. Look, not everybody's going to be a four-star. Not everybody's going to be an SEC. Georgia wanted him. Alabama wanted him. Not everybody's going to be the best player ever. I understand that. But celebrating D'Antonio guys, like their David Stone, is a bit – is a bit. it's a tough look for us. It's a tough look. And then the last guy we brought in, Cameron Campbell, a corner, also from Tampa, Florida. I like – any guy we get from California, Texas, Tampa, Georgia, or I mean Tampa, Florida, or Georgia, any of those guys, I'm a little bit more like, all right, all right. Any kid in Florida, like, yeah. Any kid in Texas, yeah, I'd like to see what he could do. Anybody from California, yeah, let's see. The competition out there is so fucking crazy in those states. Like, yeah, those guys can probably play a little bit. He's ranked 869th overall in the country, and he's another three-star. People say he's criminally underrated. This is the shit we said about D'Antonio when he got, oh, he's, this guy's underrated, dude. This kid D'Antonio pulled underrated. Like, it's good to be excited. It's good that we're bringing guys in because, again, the downfall of last year's class was I think it, it finished at 18 commits. We got to be 21, 22, 23 guys being brought in. And, again, not all of them are going to be four stars. Maybe this Cameron Campbell kid rises 300 spots to the top 500 next time they update this. I don't know. 
it's good to be excited, but again, we're celebrating it like we just fucking pulled the best corner in Florida out of Florida. We lost the best corner in Florida. He was committed to Michigan State, and then he decommitted. We pulled the guy whose other school he was considering was Boston College. Not talking about a lacrosse player. The other school he was in, it was Boston College. And I hate to say it, but state fans are out here like, fucking talks back. This secondary is revamped. The secondary is revamped from bringing in a three-star? It's a D'Antonio guy. It's another D'Antonio guy. The only difference between this kid and a D'Antonio guy is this kid would have been from Ohio or Indiana or Pennsylvania or some shit. It's, it's a D'Antonio guy. It's the same thing. I don't I don't know. I don't know. And I, this is, sounds bad, and I don't mean it to be bad. And I don't want to poo-poo these guys because, again, Cameron Campbell, he might win the fucking Thorpe the season Mel Tucker wins his first Big Ten championship. I don't know. But what I do know is I logged on to Twitter Monday. Like, I'll be at work, and I'll scroll, I'll log in, and I see MSU freaking out. And I'm like, oh, shit, what happened? We get a commitment. I go look at the guy, and I'm like, he's in the 800s? It's a three-star? It was between us and Boston College? What? <laughs> What's the big deal? That's cool. We got a commitment. What are we fucking losing our minds about? Michigan's sitting here with, like, the third best class – in the country right now. What are we freaking out about? Like we still have to beat Ohio state. What are we freaking out about? Um, it just is a little, I don't know. And I would assume from the outside, it doesn't look great because from the inside, from my perspective as a Michigan state diehard, I see that shit. And I'm like, are we really fucking going this crazy over a D'Antonio guy? Like, at the end of the day, here's the thing. And Mel Tucker, this class is going to get better. It's ranked 52nd right now. Um, this class is going to get better. But at the end of the day, Mel Tucker was brought in not to go get guys like that. Mel Tucker was brought in to get the guys like Anthony Carey, the four-star from Tampa, Florida, who's got offers from everywhere. Mel Tucker was brought in to go get that Jamari Howard kid, who was a top 100 player, four-star corner out of Hialeah, Florida, he was committed to state. He decommitted. But Mel was brought in to go get those guys. Like Nick Marsh, top 150 player, wide receiver from River Rouge. Mel Tucker was brought in to get that guy. A guy like David Stone, who is probably going to end up at Oklahoma just because I feel like that's how those kind of guys' recruitments always fucking go when state was involved. But that's the kind of guy Mel was brought in to go get. That's the kind of guy that Mel Tucker was brought in to be involved with. Like, if D'Antonio was still here, David Stone, nobody in the green and white knows who David Stone is. Mel Tucker was brought in to get involved with that dude. The Jason Brown kid, four-star, top 100 running back from Seattle. That kid, another guy where it's like, that's why you bring Mel Tucker in. Like, Mel's brought in to go get the guys that Ohio State would like, that Georgia offered, that Alabama brought on for a visit. That's who Mel was brought in to get. He's not going to get all of them. He's not even going to get a majority of them but he's brought in to get some of them. When we get those guys, then let's throw the party. When David Stone commits, then let's throw the party. When Nick Marsh says he's going to go to state, then let's throw the party. When Jason Brown spurns Georgia and Washington and Oregon to come play in East Lansing, even though he's from Seattle fucking Washington, then let's throw the party. These three-star guys from like Ohio, whose next best offer is Boston College or like Minnesota. Uh, 
we feel like we're going, we're getting a little, you know, we didn't win the big 10 guys. We didn't beat Michigan guys. We didn't win a recruiting battle against Penn state guys. Like we don't need to fucking freak out and throw a parade for the 800th ranked guy in the country who wanted to, who's going to go to Boston college. If Mel Tucker didn't enter the picture, not trying to be disrespectful or people aren't going to like this. I know they won't, but like, I don't know, dude, it, the, the optics just feel eh, the optics just don't look great. And I'm not trying to be, it is, I guess, rooted in like an ego of some sort where I'm like, Oh, we're Michigan state. We're better than that. I don't mean it as much like that. I mean it more as in like Mel Tucker is supposed to be better than that. Like we, we shouldn't be showering Mel Tucker with rose petals. And I know his mother just died. So he's been dealing with shit. I don't want to like be mean to Mel Tucker. Just talking about football here. RIP thoughts with coach Tuck. Can't imagine. But like Mel, Mel wasn't brought in to go get the 800, 800th guy. Mel wasn't brought in to sustain what D'Antonio did. Mel was brought in to like revamp, revitalize, take MSU recruiting to a place it's never been. And he has. Granted, he has. The last two recruiting classes, two of the best ever in the stars and composite and internet rating site era. 26th overall in 2022. And then last year in 2023, it was ranked 22nd overall. Yes, he has been better. And I do still think this 2024 class will probably finish in the top 25. I hope top 20, once he cracks the top 20, then it'll be like, okay, Mel is here. Okay. Now we're working with some kids, but we should reel it in. I think a little bit for these guys where it's like, that's a D'Antonio type guy. Let's save it for when we actually get the Mel Tucker guys. Let's save, let's save giving Mel the flowers and like, this is why you give him the money for when he actually does the things for why you gave him the money. D'Antonio could have pulled these guys. Plain and simple. Don't throw the fucking parade. Doesn't look great. Like, he should be getting these guys. He should be getting better guys. And he will get better guys, and it will improve. But I don't know. It's just, like, uncomfortable almost to see the, the jubilation, the rejoice. And then I go check the guy, and I'm like, it's like us in Minnesota. What? <laughs> like, What? These guys are acting like we're going to get a height. We got, we just got a Heisman winner. What? Meanwhile, we're missing on the four stars that are ranked in the top 500. That Nathan Roy kid chooses Minnesota over us. That tight end chooses Nebraska over us. Like, meanwhile, we're missing on some of these guys who came on official visits. I don't know. I don't know, dude. I don't want to be negative because it has gotten better. At least we're getting some commits. It will get better. We will get four stars. We will get top 100 players. Right. Like, I don't want to poo poo and, you know, the Reggie Powers of the world, the 500th ranked guys, those are still good ball players that you want on your team. But it's like, dude, we're freaking out over guys who were maybe going to go to fucking Boston College. Like, that's, we're better than that. All right. That's all I got, folks. I hate to, I don't want to end it on a sour note because I trust Tuck still. I do still believe this will be a top 25 class. I do still believe we've got a handful of big-time players that he's going to add. I just want us to expect more. I don't. I I I fear the 
attitude of falling back into like, oh, stars don't matter, or oh, this guy's underrated, or he's from Florida, or well, you, they changed their approach. Like he was a take for MSU. They loved his tape. They think he's like all that shit that we said when D'Antonio was here, where it's like they the staff loves him. Like this guy's a diamond in the rough. This guy may be another one of those. Mark D'Antonio finds like all of that shit we said that led to the end of the D'Antonio era where it was fucking pathetic that led to the slow start of the Tucker era where the cupboards are bare and we don't have talent and we get seasons like last year. I just am afraid of falling back into that where we're like celebrating these guys that D'Antonio would have recruited celebrating these guys that couldn't have played anywhere else in the big 10. And it's like, yeah, this is why we're giving them the money. I'm afraid of going back into that. I've already seen it a little bit. Like he's underrated. The stars don't matter. They do matter. Like if he's underrated, he's is he underrated or is he just not that good? Like I'm afraid of that seeping its way back into the fan base and the culture here. Again, I do think Mel's better. I do think he's done a better job. He has done a better job. And I do think he'll continue to do a better job, but I'm just afraid of that. That's all. All right. That's all I got this week. Um, Hope you have a wonderful day. Hopefully the Red Wings have Alex DeBrinkett on their hockey team by the time you hear this. Hope, uh, I don't know, hope Mel Tucker lands a thousand five stars by the time you listen to this too. Anyways, appreciate the support. Everyone who listens as always, I'll catch you guys next week.